How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm wearing the most horrific shorts, which I won't show you because they'll probably blind you. Hello, I'm Will Young. We've got a good show. We've got agoraphobia and then shamanism. We talk first to Charlotte Levin. She's the author of If I Can't Have You and she lives with agoraphobia. We talk about her personal experience, how agoraphobia affects her day-to-day life, misconceptions, very important, around agoraphobia. She starts by explaining when her agoraphobia began. My agoraphobia was sort of like a promotion from anxiety disorder, basically, which I had for absolute years. In fact, I, I realise now that I I definitely had quite severe anxiety as a child, but I didn't didn't know what it was, or I'd have these like feelings that I'd refer to as the end of the world feelings, and I think they were like panic attacks, but I didn't know. So that sort of started quite young, and then. I'd not long moved to London from Manchester. So I moved when I was about 19 and I started getting really bad panic attacks, like really bad. And I couldn't sort of come down from them. They were like, I was just in one long panic and I find it really difficult to eat, not in an eating disorder way, but like just the activity of swallowing because I was so anxious, I felt so sick all the time. Um, but at that point I, I was like the opposite, like I would, have to escape my flat. I was living in Crouch End in this little flat and like, I can't even believe I did this, but I used to sort of get on the tube and go to Leicester Square or somewhere horrific like that. Just, I just needed to like be out. So it was the complete opposite and I can't even comprehend doing that now. And then I sort of got better again and I applied for drama school because I, I wanted to, to do acting. That's why I moved to London. And I got in where I wanted to go, which is the um, Welsh College of Music and Drama. And we drove to Manchester to see my mum on the way down. We were, I was going looking for digs, um, somewhere to live. And as we did the journey, I just, well, my mum had made these cheese and pig lily sandwiches. I remember this, and I started eating them and then I just threw them up all over my boyfriend's van and I just never went. I never went to drama school. And that was the point where everything just shrunk right down. I went back to my mum's and then I went back to London and then it started like there was row of shops right opposite my flat. And it started becoming difficult going to the shops. And then my boyfriend had to take me everywhere. And it's just my whole world just shrunk right down. 
So even though I'd had the anxiety for years and years and years, it's sort of like morphed into this new extra rubbish form. <laughs> it was very difficult to live with. How long ago was that when it morphed, when you had that? By the way, just the mention of cheese and piccalilli makes me happy. I mean, piccalilli, <laughs> piccalilli won, what a lovely word. And what a lovely thing. And underused, I'm going to say. I'm vegan now, though, so unfortunately it has to be like pretend cheese. But... Yeah. Um, yeah. So how long ago was, was the... Oh, that was very, I'm very old now, so that was a long time ago. I was 23 and I'm nearly 50. So it's been going on a long time. I also secondly loved your use of the word, I'm going to say comedy use of the, of the word promotion from anxiety disorder. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've been through a few promotions in my Hierarchy, life. you know, and not yeah, everyone yeah. gets to be agoraphobic, I'm afraid. How do you view, do you think I have an anxiety disorder? Does that help? Like, where, where are you like today with it? Well, COVID hasn't helped. So I've not really been, well, I haven't been anywhere apart from jabs and the doctors once and and it wasn't good but generally like in pre this I do go out um, but I have my imaginary system of where I can go and if I go beyond that I'm immediately in panic mode so I have to like practice going places if I get invited out it, it's exhausting really because it's like I have to kind of get there parking like if I have to go home often I have to practice going somewhere and then I don't like letting people down so it's like I'd rather not say I'm going to go than be flaky and it's mm. um it's quite exhausting it is exhausting but I am also sort of highly functional in a way like I, I have been in situations where like I I've done like courses and then I've sort of declared after a year that I have this and then people don't believe me because I, I seem sort of fairly confident and not sort of, you know, a shaking mess all the time. As in, you mean, so you go to a course, I presume you were going somewhere to do it. You weren't, yeah, I mean, it, that, that particular thing, so that was within my area. So if I'm in with, within where I'm okay going, then I'm okay. If I go beyond where I'm okay going, and it doesn't even make sense because some, some of the places I'm, I'm okay going, are further away than where I'm not okay. <laughs> so there's no logic. It's not a logical thing. For the majority of agrophobics, they can leave the house. There's just limits of where they go or, or how they feel safe and also how it can be different literally day to day. So one day I could be like, I'm going to go into Manchester, it's fine. The next day it's like horrific. And that's quite difficult for people to understand because that's when it's like, well, are you making this up? Because you were fine yesterday. So why aren't you fine today? But it's it's very complex. It's very different for everyone. The thing is as well, I, I've been sort of told, because I've had obviously tons of therapy over the years, that I've got also an over-controlled personality, which means that I'm very hard on myself. Like I get very frustrated. Like, why can't I just do this? Why can't I just go? And I look at everyone thinking, why can't I just be like them? And it's very frustrating because as a person, I'm very logical. I suppose it's that level of when does one sort of accept that that's one's lot in a way, or that it can differ, or that there isn't logic to it. It's really hard because as when I was younger, and like my 
my boyfriend at the time and I was really bad he's still like my best friend and, and he'd always say like you know you'll grow out of it you grow out of it and it's like I'm 50 in a few weeks it's not happened and I kind of I'm sort you know anything can happen but I just have to kind of come to terms with the fact that I might not be better and that this so I just have to accept I am how I am which you know is hard do you think about your nervous system? Because I, I know that my nervous system can be quite jumpy. Mm. And so some things just don't work for it, even though I might think, yeah, how brilliant, I'll go and do a bungee jump. But my nervous system will be going, no, no, we won't be doing that. Or, you know, often the logic, we, we were talking about logic earlier, you know, there's no logic. I know that me walking to the corner shop is not gonna be dangerous, really. I mean, it could be dangerous, but you know, on the sliding scale of doing things, but my nervous system might be just feeling, no, no, we definitely yeah. don't. For me, it's knowing, it's so horrible, isn't it? Having a full on panic attack. It's such a horrible feeling and being when you're in like full anxiety. So it's like knowing that I will have that feeling if I do certain things very much makes me just not want to do them. <laughs> and that's, basically what you know being I prefer it's like if I if I go and do that I will feel horrendous so I'll just not do it I think but then you kind of I do push myself to do it and to do things and I practice going places and but you know it's it, and sometimes it's tight you know it's just like I just want to enjoy my day I don't want to put myself through that yeah no no it makes sense and what kind of therapies have you done well, the thing is, unfortunately, CBT seems to be the only thing that they kind of throw at it and it just doesn't work for me. I know it works for people and it's great for a lot of people, but it just doesn't work for me. And the thing is, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because it's like with anything else, if you didn't get better with it, it would be a medication that didn't work it wouldn't be like you're not doing the medication properly <laughs> it would just be it doesn't work and so it's like i this has been 20 odd years with cbt i know cbt doesn't work for me i have tried other things that weirdly emdr i don't know if you've ever tried oh i've that. done them all oh yeah yeah i've done them all yeah and <laughs> um, that did work quite well for me actually but um why did you say weirdly it's a funny one emdr isn't it it's like i was sort of like how can this be just the UIs and stuff, but yeah. actually, because it, it seems so bizarre. Tell me about EMDR for people that don't don't know. So you essentially, I'm I'm with the understanding that it sort of recreates your REM because if you have a, a traumatic incident, it's used in, in post traumatic stress disorder, and one of my therapists thought that my anxiety stemmed from something more that. So the reason why CBT doesn't work on me is because it's more emotional than a cognitive thought so this is why EMDR and seem to work on me so I think if you don't process something properly then it can obviously affect you and the EMDR is so the, the therapist moves their finger you follow their finger whilst kind of reliving situations or events and then you keep doing that and it's sort of like the feelings lessen and lessen and I don't know how it works it's like magic 
but it did actually help me quite a lot. Have you, have you, you've done it then? How did you find it? I have, yeah, I mean, my, my, I used it for trauma. Yeah. And, and the explanation I got was that it would move traumatic emotions that are trapped in the body. So it feels like it's still happening in real time, but move it into our sort of memory bank. And a therapist can use fingers to go from left to right, or sometimes they use a light. Other therapists use touch um, or even um, sound. I think it has brilliant results. And what I'd really like to pick up on, on what you said about CBT, because I would get very frustrated because CBT worked for some things when they were in my head. But when I got agoraphobia and, you know, trauma, feeling based difficulties, CBT actually almost became quite shaming. Exactly. Feel the same. Awful. In fact, I had a really horrible experience years ago with that CBT therapist because it was like, well, you're not doing it good enough. And that's what I meant before about, you know, if you had a tablet and then it didn't work, they wouldn't blame you. And it's like, well, if it's not working for me and I can't do it, then it's not working. And it always comes back on to you with CBT. And yes. I found that really difficult. So I, I felt worse about myself because it was like, I was failing all the time. I hope that other people listening will, will resonate with that and realize that it's not their fault because CBT is only one way of dealing with something. And, um, you know, it's interesting that the MDR worked for you. And it does work for some people, but it doesn't for everyone. And I think, I think it's important to know that it's not you that's failed if it's not working for you. And what about medication? Um, you see, part of my anxiety, I've got really bad health anxiety, so I won't take anything. I've been on antidepressants once, and I just, I just didn't like it. And I kind of wish that it was more okay with medications, because I'm sure there's things that would make me feel better, but it's not really for me. I came off them very quickly, but I, I, I know it's helpful for others, and I think it's just about what works for you really yes has it made relationships difficult i've been doing internet dating and then it's like oh god i have to tell them at some point and then i sort of build it up and then it's like i think they're just so relieved the way i've gone like, i've got something awful to tell you that i'm not like a murderer so i think it's actually like i, I make it sound so bad but it's almost not as bad as <laughs> i tell them but yeah, I mean, it does. Um, and I think it's like there's a mixture. Also, there's quite a few people I've encountered that kind of want to help me, which is great. But I, I'm very much now, you'd have to just take me as I am, not on the proviso that I will be different. The thing is, my mum was my safe person. I used to drive to Manchester and London with my mum. I could do it. And then she died. So that ruined that aspect of it. Um, and I know that with someone I'm very close to and feel safe with, I, I can do so much more, but it's that catch 22 of getting to that point. And I understand it's difficult for people, somebody who went out with me, they'd have to go on holiday on their own because I wouldn't be going with them. But um, there's good aspects to me, you know, there's, there's positive, I am who I am because of it in a good way as well. And like, I wouldn't be able to write my books, I don't think, if I wasn't how I am you know it's it, yeah I mean relationships is a funny one with me I think because I feel because I've got this that I am therefore attracted to people who have 
their own issues because I think subconsciously I probably think that I can't be with someone who doesn't because I'm I've got this. How is talking about it? How do you feel after you've shared about it? I'm a bit of an open book anyway so I probably I don't mind because I think it's important that people do talk about it and also I think there's a an awful lot and it's really good don't get me wrong but I think there's a lot of discussion around depression which needed to happen and it's much more understood now and talked about but I think anxiety is lagging behind on that I think it's so agree with you. like really quite misunderstood I think people look and think well we've all been a bit nervous um and that's not what anxiety is in the same way depression isn't being a bit sad it's two very different things. So I'm happy to talk about it because I, you know, I, I want people to understand it more and talk about it more. I think it's wonderful that you do because it normalises it. I agree with you as well. I, I feel anxiety is not a trendy topic, uh, yeah. for want of a better phrase. But, it, you know, I mean, it's a complicated topic. I mean, as is depression or, or emotions in general. But I want to end on this. Where do you find your joy in life? My cat. The writing but you know what's really weird I've not seen anyone I know this is completely not normal I've not seen anyone since March since my birthday which was the first of March 2020 and you haven't seen anyone in the in the flesh apart from getting my vaccination and the doctor want and what's really 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 frightening about it is I I'm, I'm kind of okay with not seeing anyone it's really just it's like oh wow like so I've gone that long and that when I think about like you know what I want to do it's not like oh I want to go out and, and see loads of people I would just like to be able to just you know go out and maybe go to the shops or just do things like on my own but I'm not like massively missing people which is really quite bizarre I think it's brilliant Charlotte it's been a pleasure thank you very much Thank you. Thanks so much. It's been, it's been a joy. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Charlotte Levin, what a brilliant person. Again, you know, using her personal experience, allowing herself to be vulnerable and hopefully connecting with others. So do get in touch and let me know your experiences. My next guest, Jo Bowlby, I have worked with Jo. She's a shaman and author of a book called A Book for Life. It's an astonishing thing, actually, shamanism. So we talk about what actually happens in a shamanism session, understanding the nature of life and the nature of you, big concepts. I started off by asking her how she got into shamanism. By accident, I was on a magical mystery tour of trying to discover more to life than the one I was living. It really hit me hard in my early 20s that everything was going just fine at the material level, at the surface level of life. And I just couldn't believe that that was it. So I went off and studied with yogis in the Himalayas, mystics, Taoists, Zen monk. And it was only about 25 years ago that I even came across shamanism. And when I did, everything else fell into place and it the whole thing made sense to me and what all of them are doing are trying to give you maps for your own mind can you elaborate on that because i think that's really interesting sure so we're run by our minds you know that's everything to do with mental health everything to do with our existence is dependent on what state of mind we're in so you can have on paper everything that anyone thinks anyone should have and still feel miserable or empty inside. So it's got nothing to do with the world out there. It's got everything to do with your inner world. And what all the ancient spiritual traditions were actually doing was while everyone else was getting lost in the theatre of life, they were kind of the outsiders, sort of the nerds of their time who didn't quite fit into the crowd and tried to work out what the mind was all about and tried to chart it. So whether it's the shamans, shamans, Buddhists, Taoists, Zens, they were all finding, creating their own maps. Do you find, I find people are quite, well, I find it very difficult to explain to someone what happens in a session because Ah. my session will be very different to someone else's will be very different to someone else's. So when someone says, what will a session with you be like? How can you? Well, the first half of the session, I'm always trying to teach a little bit of how the mind works. Because in today's world, we concentrate on what's on our mind rather than the actual nature of our mind. So if you can understand how your thoughts, how your stories, your dramas, your limiting beliefs all fit within your mind, you've got much more hope and you have a skill set to basically do your own work. And the other thing that I'm always teaching people is reality is how we perceive it. So reality is actually subjective. Yes, if you walk into a tree, you're going to hit your nose. You know, that's not going to change. That is, that is the only part of reality that is. You know, just is the same for all of us. So what it's actually doing is, is, it, is expanding, you know, it's allowing you to transcend your story, transcend the stuff that limits you. It's about, if you think about how much our stories 
define our identity to the point that we cannot do something because it doesn't fit with what we perceive to be our identity and our story. Whereas we're more than our stories. And that's the key thing. So whatever's happened in our lives, it's not about whitewashing events or not paying attention or taking an interest in things. It's going, yes, but you're more. And that's what the power is. If you get stuck in the story that you wrap around an event and like go, well, I can't do that because that happened you know, last time I did it, you're there, you then become confined by your own story. Mm. And so it's taking the breath out of you. And what, so it's my job to show you how to hold the story, but not to be defined by it, and to realize that it's a sum of your experiences, but you have more experiences to happen. And I, I often feel that over the years with myself that you have sort of, I've come to you with various blocks and I have, it's like you sort of energetically move something away. The energy work side of shamanism, I think, is so fascinating. And I know we've spoken about, because, you know, I use my voice as a singer, mm -hmm. what that does totally. and how that moves energy around. Totally. Can you talk about that a bit? Because I think that's really fascinating for people. Well, as a shaman, I was trained by a medicine man in the Amazon to try to learn to see everything as energy. So we get you know, we get sidetracked and, you know, there's so much vying for our attention that we can get lost in the stuff. But if you start looking at just the energy, so, by the way, this is a gift we are all born with. This isn't something special to a certain amount of people. It's simply a matter of learning how to develop it. You know, your car salesman reads energy, he knows when to make the sale. You know when you walk into a room if there's something a bit off and maybe the energy doesn't feel right. So I have the opportunity, if I'm working with somebody, to actually just listen to what they're saying but read the energy mm. as they're saying it. And that way I can find, okay, this is... It's not that I'm suddenly seeing you in front of me as going, oh, he's blue here, he's green there, he's yellow there. It's much more nuanced and sensory. But yes, you do see the energy when you're working. And it's interesting because we do actually all do things in our life that we might not even realise. For example, going dancing, that's a huge release of energy. Going to a concert, going to the theatre, uh, getting together... Laughing. Laughing, getting together in a group going to the gym, whatever, whatever, it, hugging the dog, you know, it doesn't, kissing your child. So we're all actually shifting our energy the whole... All the time. Yeah. You, you can shift your energy 10 times in 10 minutes by changing the music that you're listening to. Listening, as you say, watching a comedy show, going to a gig. There's no greater adventure than finding out about yourself. I mean, it is the ultimate adventure of going into your own mind and seeing how it's all happening. And it doesn't matter what age you are. No. And it doesn't matter what walk of life you're from. It, it's absolutely irrelevant because the mind is the mind. I remember an acupuncturist once saying, fall in love with yourself. You need to fall in love mm. with yourself. And I, I thought that was 
I mean, for a pop star, it's not difficult. But I, I thought, <laughs> I was like, fall in love for with myself. Any of us. It's like, hello. <laughs> um, but obviously, I did not really love myself um, at the time. Uh, and it's wonderful when you get to know when I, now I, I know pretty much how I work. And I get quite almost geeky about certain stuff. I'm like, oh, wow, you're feeling a bit sad. And oh my God, you've just gone on delivery and ordered two hamburgers. How interesting. Do they call them hamburgers anymore? Um, you know, stuff like that. It, I, don't, I don't have the shame attached to it, which is great. I have more curiosity than shame, Amazing. you know, and there's interest. And also I feel like shamanism, the, the part of shamanism being a teacher, again, it just feels a very democratic thing. So, so I used to think shamans, you know, they walk around with rattles. They probably have lots of feathers in their hair. And I would imagine they're very otherworldly and will not, don't watch television or any of that. You know, I imagine that and walk around barefoot. <laughs> um, but I actually feel like... I do the bare, barefoot bit. But I you do the that. barefoot, I do the barefoot <laughs> as well. But I feel like shaman, shamans are kind of like, it's a very democratic thing. It's a very like everyday... We all can be teachers actually, can't we? I mean, it's like shamanism should, like we you said, should be teachers. taught in school. Yeah, we're all teachers. Yeah. And the more I learn from myself the more I learn about other people, because I'm like, wow, that's interesting, I've done this. And then I might see someone else and I think, oh, well, I wonder if that's why they're doing that. You know, it resonates. And, I, and that's what I've learned from shamanism. I think you've become a kinder, less judgmental person of yourself. Mm. And by doing that, you actually become kinder and less judgmental of those around you too. So I deliberately don't tell people about sessions in terms of if you're doing energy work like I won't even say mm. well sometimes she might light um some incense or something I know you don't a type mm. of incense because I think they're just going to freak out and, <laughs> and go no 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 you know these are the it's the same even with acupuncture people go acupuncture mm. no it doesn't work like how do you approach that kind of thing have you ever had anyone go no you're lighting a candle now no I'm leaving never Really? And I have had, you know, captains of industry who you would have thought would go, what's she doing? And everyone resonates with it. Everybody. It's not me, it's the work. And I think that becomes quite clear to people quite quickly. It's like, oh, Joe's facilitating, but there's actually something else happening. Yes. That made it sound more out of word wordly than it is. It's not. It's not that. No, I it's, know what you mean. Well, you, you provide the space, don't you? Really, I mean. Yeah. 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 What would you like for the next ten, twenty years? Like, what's your? Are there things that you think we're deeply missing, maybe particularly in the West, that your book will bring, or just your the way you practice, or just a wish that you'd have for, I don't know, society? That's quite a big question. Please say world peace. Well, world peace. <laughs> oh, 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 bravo, <laughs> bravo. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I would love this to be taught in schools. You know, when we think of spiritual practices and spiritual traditions, it's got this kind of connotation to it. And if people realised that actually when, our, you know, when the scientists and the great explorers were, you know, mapping the world around us they were doing exactly the same but they were mapping the world in us within us and that was their focus and 
they spent thousands of years, you know, these traditions have been, you know, shamanism goes beyond 30,000 years, Buddhism, you know, thousands of years, you know, trying and testing these maps. And up until recently, you really had to be a member of a monastery or a devotee to get to see them because yeah, but not everyone's got that kind of time. You know, they've got to get on with their lives and they've got things to do. So it's just understanding the nature of life and the nature of you. And once you understand that, which can be taught, this isn't magical or out of... It becomes, it injects magic back into your life because you suddenly realise you're not just a computer with arms and legs, you know, doing routines. And there's something so much more to your everyday life than, you know, when it's become a bit automated, you can't see that anymore. So, yeah, let's let's teach the kids this. Can I ask you about ayahuasca or ayahuasca? Yes, ayahuasca, yes. What is ayahuasca? What does it do? What can it do? And when could people do it and when couldn't they do it, I suppose? Ayahuasca is a medicine plant which comes from two different plants together is the bark of the ayahuasca vine mixed with the chacuna plant which the medicine men in the Amazon uh, used for medicinal purposes medicine plant and normally it was they would drink what I can only describe as one of the most disgusting tasting drinks you can ever have in your life to be able to see your energy at a very visceral and visual way and help people heal from terrible illnesses. The West has taken it to an extreme that it was never meant to be. You know, so they'll go off to have a mystical experience um, on a weekend basis, which is sort of defeating the purpose. Where ayahuasca is very powerful is if you are locked in this world of material, two-dimensional, and you, you don't realise that there's so much more to life than just what you get to see, it opens you up to different dimensions. And you only need to do it once. You know, once you've seen it, you, don't, you know it, you don't need to do it again. It has a fashion, and in the next year or two, it will go out of fashion, and another medicine plant will come in, and it it becomes a bit of a cool trend. Uh, that's a shame, because if you are going to do it, I would always highly recommend going to the Amazon. Uh, there's some very good retreat centres there that you know are safe and well run. They will go out and live in the Amazon for three years on their own. That's part of the training to become. You know, being a shaman doesn't mean you're an ayahuasca. It's a completely specialised... Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's like going GP to surgeon. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. really interesting. I never knew that. So you have these ceremonies where there might be up to 80 people. Now, do you want to be in a state of vulnerability where you have completely opened up your energy lying next door to someone else who's done exactly the same, having no knowledge of what their experiences are and what they're there to release. Mm, no. 
So you, if you are going to work with it, work in very small crowds, very, very small groups. And it can be life-changing. Yeah, I've seen you know, people. It really can be life-changing. But it is not what you go and work with for a, a problem like, oh, I wish I had a partner in my life. It's, it's too powerful. Yeah. It's too powerful. If you really want to benefit from ayahuasca, train up first. Do your work. Uh, well, it's been really nice to talk to you, hear your words and, um, you know, open up shamelessly to the listeners. So thank you very much for taking time. Well, thank you very much for letting me share it. Uh, I feel it's important to make clear, dear, li- dear listener, dear listener, <laughs> that I have got a strange new accent, um, that ayahuasca is illegal in the UK and many other countries as it contains the hallucinogenic drug DMT. But in South America, ayahuasca is an integral part of some tribal societies. Thank you. Message delivered. We've given you shamanism, we've given you agoraphobia, we've given you Charlotte Levin and we've given you Joe Bowlby, her book, A Book for Life. And of course, Charlotte's book, If I Can't Have You. As ever, it's lovely to hear from you. You've been emailing, social media-ing, is that a thing? I don't know, Um, about episodes. So here is an email. Dear Will, I've had OCD for around 15 years. The last time a professional categorised it, it was said to be severe. Mine is mostly around contamination the kind that I can see for miles. I've tried CBT of sorts and it hasn't really worked for me. I've started on exposure therapy, well done, but couldn't make plans or stick to said plans. Currently, I have no help aside from being medicated. My partner is akin to a carer for me. Although I can be reasonably functional, there are certain tasks that I just can't do and without him, I wouldn't be able to look after myself properly. I often turn to him for comfort and it makes me feel like being with me as a burden. OCD is often seen as a joke by many. They don't realise it's as serious a mental illness as any other. It hurts when people make comments like that because I wish it could be a joke for me, but it's just my life. I've had OCD for so long with my symptoms first showing at age five. It has grown to be like a companion to me. It's difficult to imagine my life without it. For so long, I didn't want to be rid of it, but now I'm not so sure. It's a toxic, abusive companionship and does nothing but destroy my actual relationships, work and studies, and even my hobbies. Every little thing I enjoy is eventually infected by my OCD. It feels like a disease, and I wish it didn't exist in my life anymore. Well, I really hear you. Thank you for getting in touch. A thing I learnt the other day, actually, is coming up for me, is to almost sense in to the energy that's coming with the OCD, you know, what's driving it. It normally is a sort of anxiety uh, or reaction to something, you know, an uncomfortable emotion. Something uh, that Joe Bowlby actually has spoken to me about, about what is the energy saying to me and how can I use it to my advantage? That's something that I'm learning at the moment and it's difficult. So that that's just something that's come up for me and thank you so much for getting in touch. I think OCD has really touched a lot of people actually. Another email, I've been an OCD sufferer for many years now and my OCD is focused around safety and security. I have to go through a number of checking rituals before leaving the house and also before going to bed at night. I go into every single room in the house to make sure that anything electrical is turned off. I will find myself pointing to each and every socket while saying the word off out loud. I will go back into each room three times over and repeat the pointing and saying off three times as well. The worst occasion was when I was checking the front door. I actually pulled the door handle off 
exclamation mark. I fell backwards, landing flat on my back. As I lay there, staring up at the ceiling, handle in hand, I realised that I needed to get some help. I've tried CBT, but sadly and very frustratingly, it didn't help me at all. I'm on medication to try to prevent it from getting worse, which also helps to calm the negative and intrusive thoughts I get. All relating to unresolved issues and events at various times in my life, which I've been told is another part of the OCD. These thoughts, memories creep up on me randomly and happen daily. There have been times in my life when I've been off medication, but I find that after a year I need to go back on them. I mean, you know, CBT, it doesn't work always and uh, it you know what comes up for me is you know notions of trauma um, and traumatic energy that sticks around and drives our behavior and drives our thoughts somatic therapy we spoke to vj about previously uh, how that can be useful and later on we'll be speaking to katrina morton um, who's brilliant so um, i hope you can tune into that and maybe you can find some uh, some interesting stuff in that i like this it's, it's rife communication this week hi will i love your podcast and i really like the really wide approach you're taking to well-being i'm passionate about raising awareness for financial well-being and the importance of financial education very important the positive impact it can have on a person's well-being i know you will be aware that a lot of well-being issues are born out of financial stress and poor financial well-being i spend a lot of time trying to bridge the gap left by our formal education, providing education on the basics and trying to break down the barriers that appear to exist around personal finance. I want to demystify it all and empower people to take control of their finances and hopefully improve their financial well-being and their wider well-being. Thank you very much. That's really, I mean, great idea, actually, and something I think we could cover in the future. I love it when you suggest topics. Um, Dear Will, I've read your book, Be Yourself and Happier. Could you please elaborate on the chapter death in which after visiting the shaman you didn't fear death anymore? Yes, now, interesting that we broke that chapter down too much, actually. I, I wrote a lot more about it. I am not going to elaborate now, but we are going to talk about death in future episodes. That's not me avoiding it. It's me making sure that there's the correct space and time to talk about it. You also ask... Do you think we are born with a purpose? Mm. Don't know if we're born with a purpose. I think we're all born beautiful, but I think we do have a purpose and we can find our purpose. And the purpose doesn't necessarily have to tie in with what we're doing, let's say, as a job. So, for example, I want to help people and I sing and I act. And, and some people might think, well, how does that help people? But by setting that as my purpose and my intention with everything I do, it sort of does come into everything I do. It's a very interesting thing. There's a very good book called Brand Famous. And I would check that out because it's about finding your own purpose within your own brand in a way. It's a wanky word brand, but not anymore. I think it's a very important one. So check that out. God, I feel wise today. Will just listened to the podcast on equine therapy and I thought it was brilliant. Animals are amazing at summing up people, often without the need to say a word. I see this all the time when I take my menagerie into schools. God, I want a menagerie. The benefits of animals as therapy needs to be promoted and more recognised, I agree. At the same time, ensuring animals' well-being is being addressed. Yes, thank you. Darling W, how lovely. I'm listening to you on Fern's podcast because I did Fern Cotton's podcast. Check it out. Wonderful, a wonderful chat we had. She's brilliant. And now yours. Incredibly informative and wonderful listening. You're doing fabulous. My husband is heavily into teaching breathwork, meditation, and now a trauma therapist. So I'm involved in all that world. Much love. Well, thank you for getting in touch. As ever, dear listener, do get in touch. 
I know you know how to do it, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because I forget. Email hello at wellbeinglabpodcast.com, Twitter at The Wellbeing Lab, Instagram and Facebook at The Wellbeing Lab Podcast. Next week, ooh, well, we've arrived, haven't we? We've got to what I like to call the dandelion route. We're doing trauma and then we're doing EMDR, which is a way of working through your trauma with two brilliant people. Look after yourselves and I'll see you soon. Bye. Did you know the Wellbeing Lab is produced by Audio AF and is part of the Acast Creator Network? It's true. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.